0: Welcome to Tigers by the Fire, a podcast out of Holy Cross High School about World War II discussions and stories. This is our fifth episode of the year, and this is Operation Reinhardt. With me are Renzo Canton. Hello. And Joshua Atkins. How you doing? Obviously, anytime you talk about Holocaust subjects, it becomes something you want to take very seriously. And both of these guys did a lot of research, and they came up with a very focused look on the Holocaust. And so I'm going to let them explain why they chose to talk about Operation Reinhardt.
1: Yeah, so Operation Reinhard was kind of what really started the um, concentration camps being made and implemented in Germany and its occupied territories, and it was something that um, not a lot of information was really readily available for. And when we were getting our research. For the project, it was kind of hard to find it and uh, dig it all up. You know, Operation Reinhardt is really it's the beginning
2: of the end, um, you know, of the phase for like the Holocaust. Right. It's it's the kind of like it, it really served as the kind of like symbol of, hey, this is what the Nazi party really wanted for the Holocaust, which was the extermination of the Jewish people in their occupied territories and uh, other parts of Europe.
0: So as you guys did your research, obviously, with something like Operation Reinhardt, Reinhardt Heydrich obviously came up. And so I know you guys were going to talk a little bit about him and then uh, the Wanzi Conference, right? Do we want to start with that? Yeah, 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 let's go with the Wanzi Conference.
1: Yes, so the the Wanzi Conference uh, was on January 20th, 1942. And this is basically what gets the civilian government, the Nazi Party— German armed forces and the SS to have the, the decision for the uh, quote-unquote final solution to the Jewish question. And that's basically what they said in their words to evacuate them. And at the time, people thought that people um, were just being uh, shipped out into different places. But what was really happening was that they were being killed. And in the Wannsee conference, this is when the, the heads of these parties and people who were high officials found out what was happening. And Heydrich basically said, um, like, we need this we need this decision to be passed so we can get on with what we want to do. And you can either approve of this now or, you know, face the consequences. Yeah, I think what a
0: lot of people don't realize, to your point, is how big governments are, even the Nazi government, which obviously totalitarian. But there's still a civilian government who doesn't always know everything that's going on. And so prior to 1941, 42, most Germans, even Germans in the government, don't have an idea of mass executions. What they do have an idea of is deportations. They know mistreatment taking place. They do know people are being executed. But I think the sheer numbers are pretty much – they're pretty much unaware of that. And then obviously with the final solution, which is the wholesale murdering of the Jewish population, uh, it changes the – the, the ballgame, if you will.
2: Yeah, let's talk about Reinhard Heydrich. So Reinhard Heydrich um, of the SS or the uh, German uh, Schutzstaffel or the Stormtroopers, basically Hitler's um, kind of personal task force uh, for everything that he wanted done, right? They were extremely loyal to him, um, and Reinhard Heydrich um, was an SS general who was personally tasked by Hermann Göring um, and Adolf Hitler were drafting the plan to the final solution. Everybody, um, you know, as you well know, Hermann Goering and Adolf Hitler are kind of like the, um, just the, the real figureheads of the Nazi party and of like the, you know, the, the German kind of, um, you know, imperial Germany uh, in Europe. While the operation, um, you know, was introduced, uh, you know, as we talked about in the fall of 1941, Operation Reinhard was not implemented until after the Wannsee conference had concluded. So I guess going to that, so the WANSI conference concludes,
0: and the decision slash dictation is the wholesale murdering of the Jewish population in Europe. And obviously by this point, there are already death camps that are around. Uh, Operation
2: Reinhardt deals with with Jews in specific areas, correct? Right. So uh, Poland. Um, we have three, three main camps uh, in which... Uh, Opera- Operation Reinhardt, it kind of works through, and that's Treblinka, uh, Belzec, and Sobobor. And uh, these three camps are where Operation Reinhardt takes place, right? We have the wholesale uh, systemic murder of, of the Jews in Poland.
1: These camps were, uh, what's kind of, what was devastating learning about it is like, these camps weren't really like labor camps. These were camps specifically designed for like the murder. You know, like the, the expected survival time was just about like an hour, in uh, Treblinka, there was only 70 survivors. In Belzec, only two survivors. And in Sobobor, uh, 47. And the reason there was only so few was because the only reasons they were able to escape was because of prisoner uprisings. And um, that, was, that was basically it. But the exact number of how many people were murdered is pretty much unknown because the documents were destroyed by the the Nazis who were overrunning the camps but the the most accepted number is about 1.4 million were murdered in these three camps and you know what these statistics show you is that almost as soon as you got to the uh, to this camp they
2: were um, basically um, kind of like escorting you uh, to your death like as soon as you got to the camp there was no like um Position, uh, really positioning them for long-term uh, labor, or uh, just kind of like stay at the camps, and that's why there are so few survivors. As soon as you got to the camp, um, they were, you know, kind of gathering you towards uh, the showers, um, telling you to, you know, strip, and we have to clean you guys before we send you out east, uh, which was, you know, an act of uh, deception. Which you can clearly see in all of the Nazi Party, right? The art of deception is um, very crucial too uh, the Nazi party and what they do. Yeah. I think to that point, uh, a lot of people don't always
0: realize how many camps there were. Uh, and obviously in this, we're talking about camps other than Auschwitz. Auschwitz is the one that I think, feel like almost everyone knows about. Yeah. yeah. And then here you hear about other death camps, And there's also different types of camps that take place. And what we're talking about is not people being forced into labor. This is people who are solely getting shipped across for execution. These are death factories.
2: Yeah. These are death factories that their sole purpose is to exterminate um, and and remove Jewish people from the face of the earth. And I know as you do research
0: on that, it can be very difficult to look at because the survivors' tales are usually really heart-wrenching, as are. Uh, the stories that you hear, you know, from Nuremberg and things to that nature. But um, as y'all did research, what was the hardest part to find in this, uh, or at least the hardest part to research as you were doing it? Um, Like like what made us like most like uneasy? No, I mean, just in general, like what was hard to, to come up with?
1: Really kind of finding like what the layout of the camps were because the blueprints, like the official blueprints, they were all destroyed, so the maps that are all made are based off of the first-hand accounts. But what we were able to find was that the camps were divided into these three areas. And it was uh, an administration area, a reception area, and then an extermination area. And the administration area was basically a living sector for German overseers and uh, Travinki guards and prisoners and these guards were uh, recruits out of POW camps for Red Army soldiers captured in Operation Barbarossa the reception area was where the trains would come in and the people would have to get undressed and all of their visible belongings were taken away and then sorted later and then the extermination area was fenced off uh, by uh, on both sides by, like, usually, like, by tree branches that were wrapped up in, like, barbed wire. barbed wire, And you couldn't see in or out of it. And they were driven through this tube by guards, usually, that had, like, a, a dogs with them. And then led into the gas chambers and brought into mass graves after they were dead.
0: Yeah, so in these, you're talking mass graves as opposed to crematoriums?
2: Yeah. Okay. They did, they did um, everything... Um, and their ability to kind of remove the evidence that um, kind of proved what these camps were. And that's what we found. Uh, like, you know, how the camp's doing today. Well, um, we found that there were, like, mass graves, which just kind of showed the purpose of the camps. Mm-hmm. Um, we also found aerial views that provided information, like, regarding, like, um, they were consumed with grass, sand, and trees. Uh, now they have small memorials with small museums.
0: Yeah, and I think it was a weird balance after the wars to figure out what do you do with these camps. Do you just destroy them because they're these horrible testaments to the, you know the human ability to murder, or do you like uh, you know keep them up so you can show people what they were? Like Auschwitz has been kept up a lot, but virtually every other one of them um, has been torn down. So I think it's an interesting kind of question. So. As far as the camps and everything else in, in, in this whole operation, uh, you guys alluded to like the secrecy of it all, right? So they're, right. they're burying people in mass graves. Yep. Eventually, they're going to dig up a lot of these mass graves too, and they, they end up hiring bodies uh,
1: toward yes. the end of the war. Um, why do you think they're doing that? Why are they destroying the bodies even after they're dead? Well, the, the mindset of the Nazi party was like, we don't want anything of the Jewish community— except for like their cemeteries like that was what was that was their belief and so when they realized like this isn't going to be able to work they just wanted to be able to erase everything they could i feel and, like, and it's almost like a fail, it,
2: it's almost like a failure in their part like they they couldn't kill you know all of the jews um, like in the world um, or even the ones that you know they had possession of and so it was just kind of say like, like, wipe this failure off the face of the earth so that no one knows about it. Um, that's what I that's what I think. Yeah, and, and I mean, and we talked about this too, like the whole angle of the Holocaust too
0: is within yep. a generation, no one ever knows that this happened or yep. that these people were even here. So I think that's
2: uh, one of the the sicker motivational points. All right, um, so what do we have next? Um, and we have some uh, more statistics regarding like the whole the, oh, yeah. the outcome at Treblinka. We have uh, at least uh, seven uh, seven hundred thirteen thousand five hundred and fifty five people uh, dead. Belzec at least four th- uh, four thousand uh, four hundred thirty four thousand five hundred eight people dead. And at Sobibor, um at least one hundred seventy thousand one hundred sixty five people dead. It's really like you know you look at these statistics and um, you know a lot of people gloss over you know these large numbers because you really can't you really can't fathom like these are hundreds. Of thousands of people that are just murdered within the span of like you know months, uh, months to, to to years, and um, you know these figures are generally accepted. Um, some numbers will go down a few hundred thousand, some up, but the generally accepted number of the whole event is one point seven million, and that's just Operation Reinhardt? Yes, that's just Operation Reinhardt. There may be counting disputes, especially because you know you're you're exterminating the bodies, you're cremating them, so there's no. There's absolutely no record besides firsthand accounts of of people who survived. And, you know, as we talked about, there's so little that survived. So that's even harder.
0: And to put it in perspective for anybody listening, that's more than all the deaths in U.S. wars combined. Uh, 1.7 million. the United States, 600,000 in the Civil War, 400,000 in World War II. And then after that, it's just a little lesser in each war doesn't add up to that. And so that puts in perspective. Every war the United States has ever fought doesn't add up to this one operation out of the Holocaust, which, as we know, eventually kills around 10 million. So I know we talked a little bit about what went on when people got to the camp. Um, So if we highlight that again, uh, I guess, from – because obviously there are train networks that are training people into
2: all of these places. Yep. So the first thing that happened was uh, uh, the victims – uh, were gathered um, from from ghettos and other areas in which Jewish people were collected um, from Poland, um, and they were transported uh, to the, the three respective camps: Treblinka, Belzec, and Sobibor. Told to leave their luggage on the train, they were uh, marched to the reception area. Given a speech by uh, by a Nazi telling them that they were going to be sent east for the Easter work. And then they were going to be able to stay with their families. This was indeed, you know, a lie. This is all a part of their deception, trying to calm the nerves of the Jewish people, because if they were really told that, hey, you guys are about to be exterminated, you know, a short period of time, uh, then there would have been panic and and uh, uprisings right then and there. Uh, the second thing that happened uh, was these new arrivals were separated into groups, uh, men, women, children. Uh, and so before, men dressed outside um, and women... Uh, were inside. They were told to leave their clothes where they could find them. Uh, the first group of men were driven into the tube, uh, was covered with tree branches so you could not see in and out of it, guarded by soldiers with dogs, then women and children, followed after having their hair cut off. Uh, while the men and women were being killed, uh, so-called ramp Jews uh, cleaned out the box cars and took out dead bodies or luggage. Uh, the Nazis took luggage, clothing, valuables, um, anything that they could find, um, from from the Jewish bodies, and that would be shipped to uh, Germany.
0: Yeah, a lot of the survivors um, end up being workers who end up having to either clear out the cars or clear out the chambers.
2: Hired by the Nazi. Yeah,
0: you well, know? yeah. essentially that's your your living. So you're going to do this, and then I mean, I can't think of a worse way to exist. Escorting
2: escorting your brothers to their death. Oh, absolutely! Almost. Just human beings in
0: general, and then. Obviously, they, I know they check the... the they usually do it before, but they're going to check uh, mouths for fillings because they'll take out gold fillings. They they obviously sort through
2: all of the luggage and everything that they bring with them um, and, as well. And this, you know, one of these uh, last kind of points that we found was like, when one group disappeared into the tube, the empty boxcars were pushed out and the next full were rolled in. This was repeated until the entire transport was exterminated. And this, this really... Uh, you know, hit me very deeply because it's, it's just like, like just rolled in, like they're just rolled in, exterminated, rolled in. And it's, it's really just, you know, it's, it's really sickening that it's just like batches of people that they're just sending to their deaths. It's, it's terrible. And
0: that's why, uh, when we talk about this in class and I know we've had actually between two of you have me in class uh, pretty much half your high school career. Whenever we've talked about the Holocaust, we talk about that. You know, it's very—it's the most inhumane thing that you can get. Of. And the reason it's different from so many other cases, because there've been horrible cases of genocide for you know thousands of years. It's systematic. It's, it's mechanized. It's, yeah, it's the assembly line, right? The assembly line takes away the skilled laborer. You know, this is taking away any personalization of this. It's wholesale murder for as quickly and as cheaply as they can do it. And yeah, it makes it, it makes it pretty horrible. And, and I know we, we watched the movie conspiracy, which was about, uh, the vonzi conference. And so that kind of shed light on the planning of it, which you saw come out in your research. And this was the implementation. Correct. We'll watch Schindler's list in the next couple of weeks. And that'll kind of showcase some of this stuff too. Cause they, they, they definitely highlight that. Um, Renzo, what about you? How did how did the research of this kind of, you know, how, how, did you, how did how did it
1: make you feel as you were researching all this stuff? Um what was kind of heartbreaking about it is like these these people had their culture like truly demonized by the Nazi party and like they were now seen as like the enemy and like now it's like a, their fault for Germany's downfall and they were they were just made they were made out to be something that they weren't and you know like now they're having their entire history destroyed and it's like these camps like it's there's there's like a rhythm to it it's like it's like a, it's like a factory like it's just they're just like trying to do something as efficiently and as cheaply as possible and like when these jewish when these jewish people have the jobs there's like so many different jobs around the camps it's like, honestly like it was it was kind of baffling to me and we we found
2: that you know a majority of the prisoners who were employed at these death camps um, were employed with work directly related to the extermination and this kind of goes uh, along with something that we talked about earlier and that was like um, you know the like teachers and and like not even before like the wholesale like systematic um, extermination it was, the complicit, you know, like people who were involved, Mm -hmm. you know, who were not Nazi party members like teachers and and neighbors and people that just kind of sold out their Jewish neighbors to be taken uh, to these death camps. And, you know, there were tons of people involved.
0: Yeah. And as we've talked about in class, uh, there's just so many people it's hard to measure, but I mean, to your point in the labor camps, they set the women up uh, are women who are in prison, but they set up women teachers for the kids and they teach them different songs and things like that. And they'll march around the
2: camp and it seems all like nice until. Yeah. That's what we had a point about that. Yeah. Uh, we had, you know um, it said when giving Jewish people jobs, one group worked as service prisoners at the camps jobs range from cooks, bakers, cleaning staff, washerwomen, ironers, knitters, seamstresses, shoemakers, tailors, carpenters, just I mean, pharmacists, hairdressers, there's a whole bunch of jobs that kind of like um, almost try to, you know, calm like the art of deception, right? Calming down the Jewish people to say, hey, guys, like, you know, life isn't, you know, you know, look how life is. Like you have these jobs and and uh, trying to mimic like, like you know, normal life.
0: You yeah. Know, that and- art of deception. And one of the things with the kids, they will I mean, they'll play that those same music and those same songs as they march them onto trains and march them through gas chambers. And it's so, kind of like that
2: unconscious kind of like, yeah, you know, uh, conditioning.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, it's, it, again, it, I think whenever you do research on the Holocaust, and I commend you guys for choosing a topic like this so early in the year too, there's no like silver lining or happy story. Even the people who survived they don't survive unscathed. They all have wounds that don't ever heal. And so you never really, I mean, there are stories obviously in war that you can read about, and learn about that are, that end up being really nice and positive. And the Holocaust is never one of them. It's, this is, this is cold. This is yeah, it's tragic. It's what it is. So do you guys have anything else before we close out?
2: Um, uh, no, I think, I think we've covered everything, uh, mm-hmm.
1: that we found. Renzo? Um, One thing I wanted to note was, like, the people involved in these camps and in the Nazi uprising, like, they were not psychologically manipulated in this movement. Like, this was all, like, of their choosing. And at any point, like, they could have chosen to make the choice to not do this. And, like, in in some interviews we've watched in class, like, People have like even said like, you know, this was wrong and like we knew this was wrong, but it was just what people were doing. And it just kind of goes to show like with just a few people with that with that mob mentality, like, you know, like like Hydrick can do when they have this influence and people don't stand up to make a difference.
0: Yeah, and to that point, too, these camps and working at these camps, you don't just get assigned to them. I mean, that's just something that is applied for. And uh, the German army, as far as, you know, when you really look at research, they're not penalizing people for refusing to do executions. I mean, these are tasks that these people get into. And, yeah, is there indoctrinization at play and all that other shit? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, you know, these people have been indoctrinated their entire lives. Hitler Youth. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, exactly. I mean, Hitler Youth essentially – from 1933, and now running the camps in 1944 and So, very good job, guys. I know this is a difficult topic to kind of do. Um, if y'all are together next time, we'll, get, we'll, we'll uh, enjoy ourselves again. So, this was Tigers by the Fire. Thank y'all for listening. All right.